This morning the reading is from Matthew chapter 10, and it's real little, and I turned 40 this year. I know, that's young. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these, first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words... Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave the house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake." But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciples to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house of Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear for them, for nothing is covered that will be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for one penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father." But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. For everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, 
I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's the word of God. Once again, I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And this is a sermon I did before in our new um, South Revolution sermon series you can find online just to kind of get a context of how all these things string together. But I thought this sermon series fit real well into our vision sermon series, um, and we're now on the part of redemption of creation. And as we look at Scripture, I am encouraging you to join together as a congregation of believers in the struggle to sign up to participate, to be a moving part of this gospel-based redemption of this world, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, to have it happen in you and then through you right here in your neighborhoods, in, in your communities, in your family, in Metro Charlotte. The Bible tells us here that Jesus is sending his disciples out for the first time to talk about the kingdom that is coming, that Jesus is bringing and the kingdom that Jesus is bringing and with it to heal and teach and show mercy and drive out demons. To bring the message and methods of restoration to people in the Jews that had experienced and were living the results of a northern aggression by Rome. And before that, other world powers, Babylon, Assyria, Egypt, Greece. These were people who, having been ransacked by powers around them, having been taken advantage of, called to assimilate and, and sell out their faith, these are people who worked hard to stand strong, keeping and protecting and seeking to preserve their sense of heritage, holding strong their, their heritage and history of Father Abraham and the God of Isaac and Jacob. They sought to endure what would have been their own version of reconstruction by the hands of the Romans and the Greeks, who with military might and money and, and influence and affluence sought to, sought to shape and woo the Jews into better Jews. To turn these simple southern religious folk into a tax-generating, won't-and-can't-raise bunch of, bunch of fuss fussy group of slappy and happy and strumming fiddler on a roof, archaic monotheists into the people who would be their people. And what resulted? Like what we see in our own South. A pride, a strength as a people, carved out of insecurity and, and fear and defeatism, a, a defensive and legalistic Judaism arose, but one that was optimistic among many. Like some of the bumper stickers on the stereotypical pickup trucks in the South say, that they believe they would rise again. That for the Jews, a Messiah would come and, and liberate them, free them, protect and promote and preserve them against the Romans. 
And guess what? The Messiah had come in Jesus. But contrary to popular thought, not to rage war against the Gentiles, against the Romans, the cultural and religious enemies to their prideful existence, but to ironically, through the message of a heart and social transforming gospel, not of cultural righteousness, but broken, repentant righteousness, Jesus was coming to his own people. Jesus was bringing and sending his disciples with a message that would bring civil war to his and their own people. And thus the conflict here, that as they were, it would bring redemption to their world, that it would turn their own people against them, that the gospel of Jesus would be so revolutionarily redemptive that it would cause Jews to hand over their brothers and sisters to, to Gentiles' authorities, that it would cause such a hiccup in the South that it would tear your heritage in half, Right? turning son against father and daughter against mother, a civil war. And now that same Jesus with that same message is calling you and me and us, the church, to a redemption of the society and people here in the South, in the new South, right here in and out of Charlotte, that will turn it upside down and against itself and hopefully to the Lord. Here are some words and short phrases that we love and have come to define the South with. Heritage, history, manners, polite, preservation. Don't worry about it. Or don't worry your pretty little head or heart. Leave well enough alone. Family, defend, protect. Stay home. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Know your place. Home cooking. Stand, settle. Everything's fine. Enjoy. Y'all come on in. A good Christian, whatever or whoever, fill in the blank. And many of those same words would apply to the call Jesus gives. But with it, Jesus proposing and calling a redemption marked by the following words and descriptives. Force. Offensive. Surprise visitors, new, change, adoption, find, seek, ask, them, their, others, leave, get, sword, not peace, reveal, bring it into the light, do it out loud in the streets and the rooftops, follow, heal, go. This redemption of the the broken in this place, Charlotte, as with any city or place begins as Jesus calls his people, us, you and me, the church, to engage it, to go to it, to be aggressive and on the offensive. Jesus tells his disciples, I am sending you to your own people. He says, I am sending you to the lost sheep of Israel, he says here. I'm sending you to where you are from and where you are right there. And not just sending you to settle, not saying you just to buy a house and, and, and settle down and, and just be part of the landscape. Just be one of the good community members. Just go out and rake your leaves and cut your grass and, and go back in your house and not make waves. No, he says, I am sending you to start a new discussion, to bring a new dialogue. You will not wait for revolution to come to you through the gospel. You are rallying things up. You in the words of the once great Michael Jackson, you're going to be starting something. Starting something in a place that is defensive. 
whose attitudes are defined by possibly keeping the status quo, whether on a conservative side or the liberal side, who fear change might destroy them. You are coming. What Jesus is sending us with is a gospel message that challenges not their perceived enemies, but them. And you are about a heritage and history and a way of living and thinking that has become a source and a sense of security and identity, but now may be opposed to God's redemption. Jesus is actually calling his people, you and me, to say no to preservation. That's hard for me to say being from Charleston. I do believe in preserving history, but not preserving things cold and against the work of God, the Holy Spirit, to no longer rest in living in our place, but bring a message of redemptive restoration. And he defines some of what this going looks like. He talks to the disciples. He tells them about going and what? Bringing healing. He says in verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. He is saying go to what and to those things that have been covered up and forgotten and go to the disenfranchised and, 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 and the stuff that lays undealt with. Talk about and show that, that God cares about the forgotten. Highlight those people and things that say, and it, that say it's not going well and will say out loud and clear as you do your mercy work. Guess what, y'all? Everything is not okay. Understand the people who lived in these towns, they didn't want Jesus' disciples going and healing the sick. They didn't want them going and messing with the lepers. Man, keep those folk on the outside of town. We don't want to hear their voices. We want to live in here and make us feel like everything is okay. But by sending them to those folk, he is saying, guess what? Look at the sick among you. Look at the poor among you. Look at the stressed among you. Look at the forgotten among you. Look at the people who've been paved over so you can have your world and your riches. He is saying, guess what? Y'all can't rise again. Because though, yes, you feel like the underdog, you got some serious problems to start talking about and dealing with people and what people don't want to but need to. To not stand on the sidelines and settle for what is unsettling to God. But to go to it and point it out and, and bring it up. Look at verses 26 and 27 with me. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What you hear, whisper, proclaim on the housetops. Just say it from the rooftops. To reveal what is hidden and covered up and bring it out in the open. And what has been said in secret, that, what has been said in secret, what is it that Jesus is saying? We are lost. We are not righteous. Our lives are not the ones that we should be comfortable in. That you, if you think you are okay culturally, historically, or ethnically, or morally, whatever defines you, it is not true. You need help. Jesus is saying, do it up, do it, by riling up the lower classes and forgotten classes and those people and things that are a result of a history that would thus be deemed not too clean or good. Call out and give voice about, and for those folk that aren't smiling and happy and slappy in the South or in the society. Talk about how marginalized and wrongly treated Hispanics are in this city. 
Bring up how some Charlotte churches are just too rich and too self-centered or for us here too caught up in its own sense of we changing the city the right way righteousness. We got to be careful of our own kind of church. Talk about the fact that the biggest and richest black churches continue to be sustained in the poorest black neighborhoods. How can that be? Yes, Jesus is saying go to the family reunion and start conversation about things that people wax over. Racist and sexist jokes and politically and even racially demeaning conversations about our president, right? Don't allow it to happen. Dig up the history of places that people have built fortunes on, right? We should engage in discussion of how and why our denomination is so white. Talk about it. Engage in conversation about why there is such disparity between South and North Charlotte, racially and economically. Talk about schools. When he talks about going to the lame, when he talks about going to those who are sick and poor, that's what he's talking about going to. That's the poor and sick and lame in our culture, the stuff we don't want to talk about, or the stuff we want to say, hey, look, if those people would just get their lives straight and pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, you know, if, if they would just work hard like we're hard, working hard, if they would just come to the country the right way like all the rest of our descendants did, just jumping on the boat, coming on over, or well, some of us came in the wrong way. Then later, 300 years later, the right way. We need to talk about that. I mean, even if it, it can't be fixed immediately, talk about the brokenness that's there. More and beyond that, because understand, they're going to their homeboys and girls here, right? That's what Jesus called his disciples to. Start a dialogue about your own family brokenness and secrets and fake behind religiosity, right? Everybody righteous. You ever been to a family reunion? What happens on Sunday? Everybody goes to the family church. It's just this religious veneer or cover-up of what's really going on below the surface. And you know who's supposed to go there? The Christian. The believer in Jesus goes there. Go to the broken place that need healing and deliverance. Jesus says that the gospel brings out what needs to be revealed. So be on the offensive about, like in my southern family. Yeah, uh, we from the south. I can show you the land where the plantation was on that we raised. So we, I'm southern. We know how to play that game, Right? Ask what really happened. Got to put that really in there. Why uncle so-and-so won't come to family events? Ask why daddy drinks so much. Ask about and explore why your own family's health, about your own family's health. Why women had to be steel magnolias? And why some women go around talking about how the men in the family ain't worth much? Why are there are a bunch of children and no fathers around? Ask where are our men? Open dialogues about how abuses were covered up like they are often in the South. Family-wise, culturally, as a city and churches go there, unlike the Dukes of Hazard, there are not just the good old boys never meaning no harm. Y'all too young. I had that song memorized. I didn't understand why my parents and my grandparents wouldn't let me put the Confederate flag on my car. I remember one Christmas, right? I had one of those Dodge Challengers, man. 
It was just a plain white one. Didn't have nothing on it. I remember taking my crayon, trying to draw the Confederate flag and put General Lee on there. Boy, you're not doing that up in here. Why? Bo and Luke have it. Do it. Not because you want to be a rebel rouser. We're going to get back to this in a minute but because your Lord has sent you to the graveyards and plantations and everywhere in between to engage it for redemption as if you know and believe that it can and should be changed by Jesus' resurrection and righteous-making power. It may start with your own testimony of not having it all together, not to be self-indulgent, but honest about your own need for the kingdom to begin dialogue. You know when you go home, everybody doing all right? What if you're like, hey, look, things ain't right with us, but I'm trusting Jesus. Oh, Lord, here we go. Just eat some ham. <laughs> we good. We about to draw names for Christmas. Whoever draws your name is going to have to give you a counselor. Howard, dog, needs a counselor another year. Needs prayer. Needs one of those Christian books. Because engagement here also includes, but engagement here also includes embracing and being embraced where you go and who you go to. He says, therefore, in verse 9 and 10, if you look with me, Acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two, um, journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Don't take a bunch of stuff with you as you go, right? And then he says, bring peace to places and people that welcome you in, right? And it says that a servant or prophet deserves his food in verse 10. What is Jesus saying? Yes. We are called to go out and bring out and make alarm about the sordid and forgotten and broken in this place and among our people, but not, hear me, not from a position of power or self-righteousness or self-indulgence. Now, I know that's hard to hear after I got you riled up. I'm going to go tell so-and-so. I'm going to bring it up because they've been covering this up for so long. No, not from a position of power or self-righteous or self-indulgence. You are not going because you have it all together and because you're bringing a personal sense of retribution or some self-dramatic one-person show of how bad you are. Thus, he's saying, you are speaking for me. This is not about crushing people or getting vindication or attention or accolades for yourself. That's the money belts. It's not for you to, you know, be ready to receive something for somebody for your selfishness. No money, nothing you can get out of it. No money or honor or power. Jesus saying don't even have a place to put the money or honor you may get from what you do and say, right? But here is the point, that the people and places you engage with, you must come as someone who is truly serving and loving and willing to die for. Jesus says don't bring a bag, right? To collect a bunch of money or bring a bunch of money 
In southern vernacular, he is saying that our call to engage our world does not allow for carpetbagging, right? That we are not called in our revolutionary revolting ways to exploit, to take, and uproot for ourselves, to be just mean and make ourselves feel better about ourselves because we can tell somebody white off or or somebody black off to to maybe prove to ourselves that we are better than our parents or the place that we have grown up in. Not a redemption to say that you have arrived and and all of these Charlotte, South Charlotte unconscious people or or the old South, old South pastors and churches, black and white bunch of of country bumpkin Colonel Sanders or porch dwelling swinging and singing and sitting on living room furniture on the porch outside ignorant, you know what's need to get straight. Because it's easy to engage with wrong anger or fear or self-righteousness. I've sinned in this a lot. I get self-righteous and angry all the time about how my people or my family is, and I, I take my anger and lash out against and in my southern hatred. I've done it with my white brothers and sisters, just to make them mad or uncomfortable. I know how to do it, too, real good. I grew up in a white neighborhood. I was in the houses. I heard all kind of, I know. I pastor a lot of white people. Yeah, I'm making a white and black issue right now. I know we got a lot of ethnicity. Give me a minute. I can be mean. I can be mad black men. Not righteously angry, because there's a place of validity to the frustration and anger of non-Anglos, but I can flip into a madness of someone raised in the South with socioeconomic disparities, and I'm disappointed with black people and myself for accepting and believing that white was better and that I and my people are inferior. Man, I go through it. I hate much of what I see and more of what I am, and I just want to tear someone something in this place, a new one, right? I want retribution. I want want to knock something over. I want to make people feel real guilty and laugh about it. I want to dump on rich churches. I want to be better than the other black folk that seem to be not progressing in my mind, and I want to dog them, y'all. And so do many of you. So find Jesus saying that kind of attitude is a money bag attitude. Because you're confronting people just to gather your sense of worth from their despair. We're not called to gather our sense of worth or garner our sense of worth or build up ourselves on someone else's despair or sin, or misfortune, or blindness. Oh, this is a hard line to walk. Because when you see things that are bad and crushed, you get angry. But you have to take a step back. Because you know what? You can't fix it. You don't have the power to fix it. What's your anger going to do? Wish your madness, not righteous indignation, wish your madness going to do about it. 
So Jesus is saying, find a place to be influential, but don't hurt. Don't condemn. Don't harm. Pull it down, but not to harm. Face it, Jesus saying engaging is not using your newfound commission and freedom to get revenge or deal with hidden demons. In fact, he comes back and says this in verse 22, if you look with me. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Stop right there. And it applies in a number of ways, but it means this too. That what you have suffered and will suffer is not for you to fix or get reparation for yourself. Because you can't fix anything broken. But for me, the Lord of redemption... Jesus saying, but I, the Lord of redemption, is the one who provides justice and righteousness for myself and through the right engagement and bringing of the gospel. Why should you be persecuted? Not because you are a jerk at the family union. Oh, man, seem like you're preaching two messages, Pastor Brown. Yeah, blame Jesus. He said it. He said, go and make a mess of stuff, but don't make a mess for your own good. How that's going to work? Don't be a jerk at the family reunion. If you know bringing up mama so-and-so or, or daddy so-and-so stuff is not the right situation and it's only going to bring you worth and them just a bunch of pain, don't do it. But in the right moment, he says, when they'll bring you forward between governors and kings, it says, don't be anxious for what you to speak, for at that moment, the Holy Spirit's going to give it to you. You, when given the opportunity to speak, dig in and do it. This redemptive mission is a suffering thing. When I say suffering, it's the worst kind of suffering for us Americans. You know how you're going to suffer? You're not going to get your self-vindication out of it. It will not self-serve you. You will not come out of the room looking like the hero. You will not come out the room saying, I sure got them. You will come out the room weeping and mourning that you had to confront something dark and dangerous and have to wait on Jesus to deal with it. But if you come out the room happy all the time, I got them. Man, I was in a Presbyterian meeting this week and I acted like a jerk. Homeboy said something that wasn't right, and I laid the wood on him. And they were like, what was that for? And the leader, the moderator was like, I think he's just saying those fighting words you're saying, back up. I was like, is that what I'm saying? Dog. And after I left the meeting, I called Mark Upton, the pastor at Hope, who was at the meeting. I'm like, Mark, you have to confront me. He's like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't know, Mark. Yeah, yeah, you do. I, yeah, I do. You're going to suffer. 
Not only because people that you confront will think you're crazy and treat you that way, but because you will leave poor with nothing of your own work. But Jesus will get glory. Aren't you happy with that? No. That makes you mad. How do I say it? Turn around and get glad. Because truth, truth be told, if you bring up family secrets, you dig up, if you dig up and you have a risen Savior in Jesus and only hope, you will be hated for that. The conversation always goes south when someone brings up Jesus in the Bible. You can even talk about God, but don't say Jesus. Right? Well, God's really working in my heart. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, is re- you're not going to say it like that, but you know, is making a difference in my life. Oh, Lord, here we go. One of his holy roller guys. Please don't say Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is working. Oh, no, the Holy Ghost. Now you're really in trouble. Jesus is saying, if you and I go to the rooftop since the gospel does this work, if you're responsible for bringing the stuff that reveals the messed up heart issues of the culture, you will be rejected and create a mess. Look what he says here. Families will be torn apart. Your own people will turn against you. You may get kicked out the country club or the good southern woman club or the trusted brother and sister club. When you go in the barber shop, they'll start not talking. You will be sold out like a sellout to all that is good and southern and right and pure and conscious. Understand what Jesus is saying when he says that they will give you over to the Gentiles. Your own people may no longer embrace you. You will be a danger and menace to society in the right way. Your message will come off not only strange, but wrong and offensive. Welcome to the revolution. People's lives change and you come out beat up and poor. Yes, hallelujah. What y'all think Christianity was about, man? Them dudes rolling around in the big cars and all the money and all the Christians rich, that, that ain't what it is. Now, they might be rich on their own, right? Going to work, working hard. The industry pays them well. I'm not talking about that. But if you think that's what Christianity is about, roll on out of here because that's what it's about. Well, you know, I'm coming to get my blessing. If you think you're going to get a blessing to make yourself feel good and you go out and you do all the right things and you're going to get this kind of, self-indulgent, self-feeding blessing. This ain't what it's about. I'm not going to lie to you. I wish I could have a bigger church, but I'm not going to lie to you. Christianity's for the weirdos. Understand the world is round and we're the square peg, right? I'm just letting you know, you are squares. I can dress cool. I can wear tennis shoes and a pulpit. I can wear jeans. I'm still a square nerd when it comes to the world. And Jesus is saying, yes, you are, and you're going to suffer for it. You know, I brought up questions about my grandmother once. All sorts of things went into it. My mom made a, doing a family reunion, and she was gathering information. And you know, in the South, when you start digging, you start looking at birth certificates? Uh-oh. Who, what, half-brother, who's the dad? Uh, oh, Lord have mercy. And after my mom died, I got all the stuff, and I saw the, the stuff she got, got, was gathering for the family reunion, and I wondered why her brothers and sisters 
over something to do with grandmama and so and so and so, didn't talk to her for five years. Until she started dying, then they started talking. Because in that pile of stuff were things they did not have a Lord and Savior well-equipped enough to deal with. See, the issue is this. You're going to dig up stuff and people are going to be offended because they don't have a Lord who can handle what comes out of the ground. There's no gospel. There's no belief in a divine shepherd, Jesus, or belief in it. Regardless of your intentions are pure or innocent or harmless, you will become a sheep among wolves. And y'all, I don't have to tell you, you have stories upon stories of how this happens. See, it's, it's, we're kind of naive sometimes as believers. We think, you know, we go in, we bring up something, we share something that's hard, hey, it's going to be all right. Jesus is going to fix it. It don't work like that. You bring it up, it's like them seeing a ghost. It's like you brought, you're not healing the demons. You're bringing the demons. They can't heal. But here's the end goal. To liberate. To bring freedom. He says to heal and cast out demons and go to the lost sheep at the beginning of this passage. Understand at this point in Israel history, hope had been lost. Cover-up and, and heritage and defensiveness and, and self-righteousness and hiding and protecting and avoiding was the only way to stay alive. It was the only way to secure dignity and hope and peace for themselves and even protect their God ironically from the world. To hate and fear and run and ignore and celebrate with squinted eyes, right? You know that good southern squinted eyes where if you squint well enough, everything looks good, right? Just continue to forge ahead and talk about the good old days among and on top of the graveyards of sin and struggle and abuse and marginalized. The South, as with any place that stands defensive, is sad. It's hurt. The cover-up, it's Defensive points to it, points to it, people who in large part are hopeless for healing, who are hopeless for forgiveness, hopeless for dealing with deep and thick and heavy history of mistakes and sins, who stand hopeless in the impossibility of fixing and what we have broken and how we have been hurt and abused. Let me tell you, hopelessness means abuses go on and no one talks about it. People have to stay in their closets and we smile and fake and pretend because we don't know whether we can accept or handle what we might learn. And people live believing and afraid that there are no words, no message, no Messiah, no southern comfort outside of what can be found in a bottle, just mess that we have made right ourselves and now we can't. Charlotte, your neighbors, your community, your family, some of you are just sitting here and dying and crying for a liberation that you and they and it can't bring itself, for a powerful message that it can't generate itself, for a people that can't be all for themselves, and a Savior that it can't find itself. So here comes the Lord Jesus to liberate to bring freedom, to be the answer to the unanswerable problems, to be the 
the Lord and Savior of histories that go so deep and are so dark, it's near impossible to imagine that they'll ever be made straight. Here comes the Lord Jesus, the ancient of days, a Lord that saves whole histories of people who changes generational curses. You won't have to be like your mama and your daddy and a heritage before you. Here comes the Lord Jesus. Jesus saying, I'm coming to bring a war, not to condemn, but to free people. Yes, a civil war to liberate and free and separate people from a history and heritage that continues to breed hopelessness and death and fear. For that, go. Seek. Share the Lord Jesus, the defensiveness, the hard veneer is a sign of wounds that only the Lord Jesus can heal. We are called to a new South civil war and our weapons of warfare are the gospel that we're sinners in a sinful history world, and Jesus is the Savior and Lord of that world.